So I want you to settle in and get comfortable. And this morning we talked a bit about the noble disciple, the moral virtue or ethics, and states of confidence in the Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha. And when we're practicing meditation, of course, much of the time we're settling the mind into stillness to the degree we can. And then there's also an opportunity to reflect. It's helpful to introduce that reflection when we're feeling quite calm. And reflection is different from analysis. So it's not the process of thinking something through. It's the process of letting um, an idea or um, a quality, perhaps, arise in the mind or kind of dropping in into the mind some, some subject to reflect upon and then allowing that to just sort of reside there and see what arises. It's contemplation, and many of you have done contemplation, I'm sure, and you have that sense. That's different from analysis. You're not trying to arrive at some conclusion based on the thinking mind, but allowing the intuition to really move through you and see where that goes. So there is a, a, a meditation that's sometimes referred to as the six recollections, and that's what I'm going to guide you through. So in this guided meditation, I'll be sort of uh, planting those seeds for reflection, and then you can just observe what occurs in the mind. So these six reflections, uh, and you will see this in various places in the suttas and the Buddha's teachings. They're on the qualities of the Buddha. That's the first one. The qualities of the Dhamma the qualities of the enlightened sangha. Remember that those could be mendicants or they could be lay people, but it's anyone who's practicing the path and has come to some level of awakening. And then your own generosity and your own virtue. And the sixth one is reflection on the devas, the heavenly beings. And as I go through this um, guidance, you'll have a sense of, 
you know, how the Buddha was encouraging us to reflect on these, on these topics. And of course, this is all for the inspiration and development of your mind, of your heart. So we can begin by settling ourselves, you might say externally, with the body. And then turning our attention to the mind. Maybe taking a few deep breaths and really letting go of any tension. And now when we begin to recollect the Buddha, notice what that brings up for you. You can first consider the, the classical description that we see in the early Buddhist texts. He was the Tathagata, a fully enlightened Buddha, the Samasambuddha, perfectly enlightened, completely free from all suffering, all defilements. that his conduct, his moral virtue was impeccable. And he had such amazing understanding of the way things are. He was a sukkato, an accomplished one. one who has completely fulfilled the goal. And Loka we do, he was a knower of the worlds. He knew and understood the realms through which living beings pass. The human, the human world, the heavenly worlds, and those that are places of loss, suffering. And he was a teacher, a great teacher, and one that 
could really train people if they wanted to learn, if they wanted to grow. He could give them the training that was right for them, that was good for them, that was effective for them. Sometimes the translation is that he was the incomparable teacher of those who could be trained, who wished to be trained. And he taught humans, human beings, and he also taught devas, heavenly beings. awake, fully awake and holy and you might also consider what it's meant to you so far to be in contact have access to the Buddha's teachings what he brought into the world, what he discovered, or we might say rediscovered, and that he gave so much to share that, to make it clear, so that it could be carried down through the generations to us now. And then he knew it would continue beyond his own lifetime, that it would come down to us for our own benefit. Showing the way to complete peace and freedom from all kinds of suffering every kind, the small discomforts, the feeling of things not quite satisfying, all the way to the truly painful, difficult, to leave all of that behind. And the example that he gave of how to live and teach and give 
is so beautiful and inspiring. And in this reflection, we could take the approach of investigating the idea of the awakened mind. And how amazing it is that a human being in many ways, just like you and me can experience that, and maybe the degree to which we've already had a taste of what that is to awaken. to let go of everything that keeps us bound to suffering, bound to dukkha. And then we come to recollect the Dhamma, the Dhamma or Dharma. The truth of the way things actually are. 
And that this was explained, expounded upon by the Buddha. And he said that if you see him, if you really understand the Buddha, then you also know the Dhamma. And if you see, really take in, really understand the Dhamma, then you know the Buddha. And the Dhamma is right here, apparent here and now. And it's timeless. Sometimes the mind can go into a state in meditation where it knows that there is no such thing as time. And time is a convention that helps us in our normal consciousness to make sense of things. But the Dhamma is not not part of that, you might say. It's timeless. It doesn't fade away. It doesn't come and go. It's there. It's just the way things are, the way things work, the truth of reality. The Dhamma really encourages investigation. We want to look deeper. To know it and see it. And it carries us inwards to the deeper reaches of the mind. And it carries us onwards to further development, to peace and freedom. And it's only known through our direct experience. 
or a direct knowing. Each of us individually with wisdom see the truth. And the truth sets us free. So we don't have to go somewhere else to find the Dhamma. It's right here in the present moment. Becomes apparent as we let everything else fall away. can see elements of it as we reflect on impermanence. The impermanence of all conditioned things, of all things that we see, hear, taste, touch, smell, and even think. All things that we might think of as me or mine. impermanent, falling apart, subject to decay and disappearance. And to see that clearly, to know it directly, is one one way of knowing the Dhamma. We can also come into direct experience of the Dhamma by reflecting on dukkha, suffering, the inherent dissatisfaction in all things that are impermanent.
Another way is through reflection on non-self. That anything impermanent, anything that involves dukkha cannot be an abiding, lasting self. Those things that we think of as me, the body, our feelings, our mental patterns and activities, our perceptions, our sense consciousness, the consciousness that brings in what comes from the senses and recognizes and knows it, makes sense of the world. None of that is a description or a possession of self. There's no abiding, lasting, immutable self. When we understand this fully, directly, that direct experience is an experience of knowing the Dhamma. And when that occurs, we don't have to defend anything anymore. We don't have to prop up anything that is destined to fall apart. We can be free from the suffering of trying to make things into what they are not. The direct experience of Dhamma brings joy and happiness and relief. A deep and abiding peace. reflect on those who have recognized the Dhamma to some degree, maybe not fully, but to far enough that they're destined to that full realization. Those followers of the Buddha who really put the teachings into practice. They practice with direct access, direct awareness and knowledge of Dhamma. 
they're upright. insightful and have integrity Pure through and through. In their intention, in their in their actions. Not not perfect, there could be mistakes, but there is this baseline of integrity, moral virtue, correct practice, and insight. And all of these Levels of four pairs, eight kinds of persons traveling this path. As it says in the suttas, they're worthy of devotion and praise. offerings those beings who have such pure intentions and actions and the ability to provide that kind of example in the world give a wonderful opportunity for all, all of us to, to see and to support. And all those beings, they create a kind of field of goodness. That is a great blessing to the world. These are the noble disciples. And we walk that same path and emulate them, follow, and become that also.
And how do we know we're on the right path? We're moving in the right direction. This is where we pick up the recollection of our own generosity, our own kindness. And when you think about your own generosity, the things that you've done that are kind and giving, supportive of those in your life, of living beings, Be happy, happy with yourself, happy with your good actions. have this opportunity to practice kindness and generosity in every moment. It even comes with our thoughts, thinking kindly, sharing blessings. This is a gift we can offer at any time. Moving the mind from negativity to kindness, to compassion, to equanimity, to joyful appreciation of what's good. These actions help the world, help those around us. And help us to develop. And when we we reflect on our own generosity, We increase the the strength of our intention to be consistently generous and kind. And that takes us to the fifth recollection of our own virtue. Think of those things that you've done that are virtuous, being truthful, being harmless, avoiding taking life, 
avoiding taking what isn't given to you. Being faithful in your relationships, truthful in your speech. Gentle, speaking with a good purpose and not a harmful one. Being upright and moral. And for whatever times we've fallen short of those beautiful precepts, we can just learn and let go. Determine to not do it again. The Buddha said, don't hold on to regret. Just learn Forgive, let go, and continue to purify our actions by body, speech, and mind. So we put our attention on our virtuous acts. There are so many things that you could do or could have done that you avoided. where you brought more safety and comfort to all the beings of the world. And even any time that you're meditating, any time that you're practicing, any time you're reflecting on Dhamma, there's all those things, unskillful things that you're not doing. All the skillful things that you are doing increasing the goodness in yourself and in the world. And the final recollection, the sixth one, is to recollect the devas, the heavenly beings. And the way to think of them is to reflect on the qualities that one must have to be reborn in a heavenly realm. the virtue, the generosity, the wisdom, the learning, the faith. Now when you think of these qualities, then the Buddha said, reflect on those qualities in yourself that I too have that kind of generosity and virtue and wisdom and faith and knowledge 
learning. And through these recollections, we lift up the mind. And as the Buddha said, the mind is the forerunner of all things. That's how it starts. That's how it's perpetuated, by holding it in mind. This is the way a noble disciple reflects and recollects and conditions the mind. And we can end the guided meditation with a blessing for all beings sharing the merit. May all beings be happy. May they be free from suffering. May they develop in faith, in virtue, in generosity, in wisdom. May they be free from all suffering. So continue to sit for as long as you like. And walk meditation and sit some more or whatever is beneficial for you to continue to practice.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.